0: Well, I'm going to get started because we we did start a little bit late. Um, so, like I said, welcome here. I'm going to share my screen. We are gathered here today on the lands of the Coast Salish, the Stolo and Kwantlen peoples. Um, I think I technically could have used a, a welcome script right now. But yeah. you know what? I have forgotten about that. And you know what? I'm tired. So... I just welcome all the feelings right now. If you're tired and have forgotten a bunch of things, that's okay. We welcome you here. If you're on top of things and feeling like you're the best person on the planet, like you're nailing it, we welcome that here. If you're somewhere in between where it's more like ups and downs all along the way, like it's kind of bumpy and like, we're here for that too. Welcome here, everyone. Um. we're in the middle of our Jesus at the Center series uh, from the beginning of the year till Easter, which is coming up quickly. It's just the truth. It's February 13th,
1: 2022.
0: Zoom, while we'd love to see your faces, please uh, feel free to turn your camera off if you prefer on if you like that. Uh, uh, Josh and I are going to be in the chat today. And feel free to unmute yourself, uh, to share during the roundtable and Q&R session. So mid, pre to mid service and then end of the service. And we will be on Zoom for the rest of January. It is a bummer, but it's just what we're doing right now in terms of what we are able to do uh, space-wise. Communion, you can gather your elements. Kathy will be leading uh, communion this morning. morning. And the art on the left is The Table by Scott Erickson. Finding a way to connect, uh, we've got Instagram at the bridge underscore Abbotsford, or on our Facebook page, The Bridge Abbotsford, or if you're not on our private Facebook group, uh, Bridge Church Together, bracket, Walls apart and end bracket, uh, you can message one of us and we can get you onto that group. And as always, if you... Uh, want to be included on the email list. Office at the is available as well. And we've got Baby Yoda gazing up saying, can we stay connected? Yes, Grogu, yes, we can stay connected. Book club, Lynn Lang is hosting a book club that is starting on Tuesday, February 8th. It meets Tuesday evenings on Zoom every few weeks. And they will be reading Out of Sorts by Sarah Bessie. All are welcome. In case you need the Morgan stamp of approval, I give this the Morgan stamp of approval. This book is fantastic. I love Sarah Bessie, but specifically this book spoke to me. So anyways, if you're at all interested, please contact Lynn. Uh, We've got her number here. And you know what? I might just pop that into the chat after this, um, just because it might be easier. And latecomers are uh, still welcome as well. As always, we are very grateful for your ongoing generosity uh, to give. Please visit the website, thebridgeonline.ca, donate. Or if you prefer, you can contact Sylvia at office at thebridgeonline.ca. Oh, did you know?
2: I did not know this.
0: On Zoom, your donations helps us to pay for a variety of resources for the church, including Zoom. My bad What do you know? This is, you learn something new every day, but we really appreciate uh, your donations so we can keep on doing services on zoom. Cold weather shelter if you're interested in volunteering or bringing super buns um, at an extreme weather shelter in Abbotsford this season and would like more information about it you can contact Josh Lowen joshdaloen at gmail.com and it runs until March 31st so still a month and a half where uh, you could be volunteering out there. Speaking of volunteering joining the team we are looking for more people to Join our teams for in-person gatherings so we can potentially gather more than twice per month. Contact the office if you are interested. Office at thebridgeonline.ca. And we've got something from The Simpsons. Oh, everyone's raising their hand. I am so there. Oh, me, me, me. The hand's shooting up all over the place. Anyways, it's funny. It's clever. In case you didn't know, Josh was in charge of the slides today, and I think he's quite impressed with himself, so this is part of why I'm, you know, handing the compliments to him. Uh, Listen to our community playlist for today on YouTube and Spotify. Links on our homepage. Again, bridgeonline.ca, and I believe it was Nathan that created the playlist for this week, or maybe I'm reading one from last week. Oh, name of the week. It's Jesus. He's holding a fish, and it looks like it's one, and then, oh, he twists it to the side, and there's two fish And once again, there's a light, I don't get the lightning bolt. I'm so sorry. There's a lightning bolt in the corner and I don't quite get it, but maybe it's meant to be, bam! The fish have multiplied. I don't don't know. I'm I'm sorry that I didn't get it, Dad. It it just happens sometimes, I guess. Um, (laughs) That is the end of my announcements for now. So I'm going to hand it over to Karina, who is gonna be doing our roundtable session.
2: Hey everybody, welcome here. So um, if I could get the questions up for this week, roundtable is a time when we have like a precursor question that, that you are welcome to join in and discuss um, with us where we just share some thoughts that kind of lead in to the sermon and, and also kind of if you're more of a like you want some time to think about a it person, it's also something that you could bring to the Q&R when it's all done there so uh the question for this morning the gospel in quotation marks has been defined in a lot of different ways over time so the question for our discussion uh, for the round table today is which gospel did you first hear and what gospel do you feel comfortable sharing now so um you know for me um the gospel growing up was the right things that we believed the right answers that were supposed to give us this certitude of like this is what it is and this is what it means and this is what you need to do and this is what will happen if you don't do it so um anyway that was sort of the the paradigm very much the gospel was the right answers And um, the funny thing is, um, which kind of relates back to the question from last week, it never provided the certainty. In fact, it usually, for me, it created like a lot more fear and uncertainty. And and, um, for me now, the gospel is truly like learning that that was, um, okay, it's, it's a big word, but a transliterated word, like a word that just we brought into the English language without really well defining it, but that it really was just an everyday ordinary word that meant good news has really changed the way that I interact with the Bible, with my faith, with my understanding of God, because if it's a regular everyday word that means good news, then that becomes a really good filter for me in that it, it needs to be something that is like, actually good news and it can't just be good news for me it's got to be something that creates this like relational goodness between people and and I think it it might be Sarah Bessie that says something like if if our good news is not good news for a single mom in Haiti we haven't found the good news yet and so in some ways it gives me permission and, and acts as an invitation to go back to the drawing board if I haven't found a good news interpretation yet. And um, it's really kind of set my faith free and I love the idea of the gospel now. So I'm curious um, if what gospel did you first hear and what gospel do you share or what does it, what does it mean for you now? If that is something you feel like sharing, feel free to just unmute yourself and go ahead and share it. And then you can mute yourself when you're done. And I am on my phone right now because we're like running out of computers here in the house with all the people that are here. So um, I'll need somebody who's doing tech to like, pay attention to who's coming out or like speaking or whatever like that. So all right, let's, let's hear from you.
1: Um, I, I could definitely answer this because um, I actually had an opportunity to share my new gospel with someone a while back um, so my my first part of the question is what gospel did I first hear and it was um, very much the gospel that Karina described the one of the right answers and um, people having to change themselves um, in order to come to God and be fully accepted It was always oh you know you know salvation is free but it sure didn't seem that free you know there was always an incongruency in my mind when i uh, when i thought about the the first gospel i heard um and where i've come to now the gospel that i feel comfortable with now is the gospel that you know for god so loved the the world that he gave his only son, a son that that you know everyone everyone is will will not perish everyone is accepted by him And I actually had an opportunity to share with a friend at work um, a while back, and she was just really struggling. And I I just said to her, you know what? You just need to know you are absolutely and fully, completely accepted by God, just the way you are. Absolutely and fully and completely. And you you need to come to a place where you know that and you just rest in it, that there's nothing you have to do. You're just fully, completely, completely accepted and loved by him. And she just kind of, the look on her face, she was expecting me to tell her, I think, because I have the reputation as being the church lady, you know, (laughs) at at my workplace, I think. And I think she was expecting me to, you know, say all these things about stuff she had to change and things she had to do and commitments she had to make. And instead, it was just a, you know, a, a stepping back and a resting in love and come crawling into the lap of God and knowing that you are fully accepted by him. So anyway, that's my new gospel that I'm fully comfortable with now
2: love that i'm here for that gospel that sounds like good news to me all right is there anybody else oh i hear somebody unmuted go for it
3: yeah it's me harry um so in my work i find myself often asked to do what's called an elevator pitch which is summarize what it is that you do in as long as you might sit and might ride in an elevator with someone and i sort of I've battled with that in work and i battle battled with that in an understanding of what the gospel is. And there's a fellow who I'm sure many know called Bruxy Cavey, who's based in Ontario at The Meeting House. And he's written um, he's lots of stuff, but he for me summarised the gospel really well. And I was just going to read what he's got on the thing that he um, refers to as the gospel cheat sheet. But there's an intro paragraph and then the gospel in 30 words. And he says, Jesus is the most interesting man in the world. He's changed the course of human history, inspired and empowered people to live more loving lives and claim to be the final sacrifice for religion. Whether you're talking with a seeker, saint or skeptic, be confident that the core message of Jesus is fascinating and worth talking about. And then he gives the gospel in 13, which is, Jesus is God with us, come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom and shut down religion so we can share in God's life. And that doesn't, doesn't even get close to the whole thing really, but it provides for me a really lovely summary. So I thought I'd just chuck that in there. Thanks so much, Harry,
2: that's great. For, for as much as this question may have brought up anxiety, just that you are allowed to bring that here and not have perfect answers. And, and that we believe that God's love is there for all of us in this process. So with that, um, thank you again for your vulnerability and for everybody who's in that space of like trying to articulate our movement of faith and the difficulty and the challenge of undoing toxic gospel messages. Um, we just want to honor that, and with that, I will hand it over um,
4: to the to the next segment for the service today. Thank you so much.
5: Hello, um, I've been asked to lead communion today, and uh, I love communion. So let us begin. Come to the table of Jesus, our Redeemer. Jesus invites you here as part of the people of God. Come to the table humbly, not because you've earned a place here, not, but because you may need mercy and help. Come because you love God and you want to love God more. Come because Jesus first loved us and he gave himself for us. Come because you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come because you wanna experience the mystery of God's grace. On the night he was handed over, Jesus had a meal with friends. He took a loaf of bread and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup of wine and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the, give, for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, remember me. I'll pray and then we'll um, participate. Let us pray. God, our creator, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ whose love pursues us our whole life long. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life to us in word and deed, even to death, even on death, even death on a cross. Come, Holy Spirit, feed us with your love that we may be filled with power to love God with all our hearts and souls and minds. bread of Christ, body of Christ spoken for you, and the blood of Christ shed for you.
4: We have come to the Lord's table.
5: We have eaten the bread of heaven. God is the one who will transform us so that we can see Jesus, so that we can see with Jesus' eyes, hear with Jesus' ears, and speak with Jesus' mouth, so that we can be the body of Christ in the world, proclaiming the good news of God's reign. Come, Lord
4: Jesus. Amen.
5: And now I'm going to pray for Eden. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for Eden and for her love for you and for her ability to communicate well. And I pray that you would bless her and um, fill her with your spirit and help our ears hear what you want to teach us today through her.
4: Amen. Good morning. I feel kind of like, um, you know, like I went to one of those,
6: oh, maybe like I'm on a cruise ship and there's a big buffet and um, and I'm, I'm the last dish in the buffet and everyone's plates are already full because the sharing has been so awesome this morning. So um, thank you guys for sharing so vulnerably and so authentically. It really makes a huge difference to um, our experience of church. Um, church hasn't always been known as a place where you could be real. And, um, and I appreciate that you guys are participating in, a, in such an authentic way so if if you're one of the folks who um who reads the scriptures that we put in the invitation from the lectionary each week um there was a bit of a snafu and those are not the right passages so you're gonna get extra credit in heaven for reading the wrong um the wrong passages but it also means that i'm going to actually um read or summarize all four passages today because I'm gonna use them all. And worry not, I have timed this out, <clears throat> and we're not gonna be here till forever. So we're gonna start. The first passage um, is first Kings, and this is just gonna be a summary. This is first Kings 17, 8 to 16. So this Old Testament passage is the story of the prophet Elijah hearing God's voice telling him to go to Sidon and there he would find a woman who would provide for him. So he follows the instructions and he goes to Sidon and he enters the village that he was told to go to and he sees a woman gathering sticks there. He asks her for some water and um, she goes to get it for him. And as she's she's kind of on her way, he calls back to her and he says, Um, oh hey and can you bring me a cake and I'm probably pretty sure it's not like a Sarah Pickering version of cake but probably like just a little uh, muffin or something. Um, Anyways he's asked her for that and um, she turns around and she stops and she explains to him that she really actually only has enough oil and flour for one more meal for her and her son and then um, quite dramatically, she says, and then they're probably just going to starve to death. Um, and Elijah says to her, you know, if you use that oil and flour on me, um, then you're not going to run out of oil and flour until it starts to rain again. And the story says that that's how it went. Um, so from there, um, so in the lectionary, you always have an Old Testament Passage, a psalm, a gospel, and then an epistle. So um, the second part here is Psalm 146, and I'm just going to read a few verses from it that I want to highlight. Happy are those whose hope is in the creator of all, maker of heaven and earth, the seas and all that is in them, bringer of justice to the oppressed, bringer of bread to the hungry. The compassionate God sets the prisoner free. The all-seeing God opens the eyes of the blind. The just God lifts up those who are bowed down. The righteous God loves the righteous. The mother of all loves the stranger, the orphan and the widow she bears up. Then we're going to go to James 1.22. And that says... Now be doers of the word and not just hearers who deceive themselves. For if any any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like a person who looks at their face in the mirror. They recognize themselves and departing immediately forget what they were like. But those who look deeply into the law, the law of liberty, and who persevere or continue in it, not being hearers who forget, but rather doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled or faultless before God, the provider is this. To care for orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself spotless from the world. And now we get to Luke 4, uh, 16 and following. And that's the gospel section of, um, of our, our passages. So uh, Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been nurtured and went according to his practice on the day of the Sabbath to the synagogue. And he stood up to read. Then was given the scroll of the prophet of Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the most high is upon me because God has anointed me to proclaim good news to those who are poor. God has sent me to preach liberation to those who are captives and recovery of sight to those who are blind, to liberate those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the most High's favor. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and every eye in the synagogue looked intently at him. Then he began to speak to them saying, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words that came from his mouth. And they said, isn't this Joseph's son? Then Jesus said to them, of course, you all will quote me this proverb. Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, the things we have heard you did at Capernaum do here in your hometown. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you. No prophet is accepted in their hometown, but I speak speak truth to you all. There are many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were closed three three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, rather to Zarephath in Sidon, to a widow woman. And there were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. So that's the end of all four um, passages. And I have had a terrible fun time this week putting this together uh, because I have both felt. excited and um and really challenged uh over these passages but these passages um are going to challenge all of us but only in the very same way that god god or jesus's pronouncement from isaiah 61 challenged the religious leaders in luke 4 So what's interesting to me is that we're still being challenged in the very same way 2,000 years after Jesus threw down the challenge in the first place. And actually way longer than that, if we consider the story of Elijah in 1 Kings. There's a beautiful consistency in these four passages that intertwine and knit together very beautifully, coming full circle to witness to each other in declaring who God is. We have a poor widow featured in 1 Kings. Then in the Psalms, the oppressed, the hungry, the blind, the prisoner, and the stranger are highlighted. Then in James, the focus is on widows and orphans. And then in Luke, Jesus points to a stranger, a foreigner, to illustrate his gospel to the poor, lame, And oppressed. What I see here in these passages is a God who puts care and love ahead of power and influence. He doesn't look for those with titles or pedigree or the movers and shakers of the day. God is not limited in any way as to who they may reveal themselves to. In other words, God's epiphanies are for everyone. And just a note on the use of they in that sentence. I'm using they to refer to God and it is in a singular form that describes the unity of the Trinity. I am not a polytheist. Um, I have the sense that God's agenda still messes with hierarchy and by hierarchy i mean those of us with a strong self uh, sense of self-importance the kind of self-importance that has us feeling like uh, we should be at the front of the line or we should be heard and appreciated more than someone else or our needs being met are more critical than the next person the kind of self-importance that easily overlooks those on the margins. But in these passages, we are discovering the consistency of God to reveal himself to whomever they choose. And they often choose those on the margins, those who are vulnerable, those whose society has excluded, those who are easy to overlook, Those who are too needy, too broken, too complicated, too messy, too difficult, too different, too desperate. Those, these are the ones that God reveals themselves to. But the margins are probably a little too close to center for the characters in these stories. These characters would be considered more like the outcasts In that time and place. Actually, you might even call some of them enemies. The widow that Elijah meets in 1 Kings is from a village in Sidon, and the Sidonians were oppressors of the Jews. So, why on earth would God tell Elijah to go there? This woman was literally Elijah's enemy. It's curious in the psalm, it tells us that God sets the prisoners free. But of course, like, we're talking about someone who's been unjustly imprisoned, right? Someone who is like a political prisoner in a tyrannical system, like Paul and Peter in prison for their faith in the New Testament, right? Hmm, maybe not. Remember, there was that moment that Jesus was hanging on the cross between two convicted criminals and Jesus forgave the one who asked. In these passages, God communicates through Elijah and Jesus that neither nationality nor ethnicity, race, gender, political stripes, goodness, badness, wealth, or poverty can get in the way of God loving anyone. God's love is for all people, and that love is embodied in Jesus. So Jesus reminds the temple leaders of the story of Naaman when they asked why he wasn't performing miracles in his own stomping grounds. Actually, Jesus predicted they would ask that. They didn't actually say it. But Naaman is the commander of the army of the king of Syria. Like, he's a big deal. But he's also quite entitled and thinks he can buy his healing from Elisha. So his military success is called God-given, but that wasn't God-given by Jehovah. It was by another god called Rimen. So in Naaman's pursuit of healing from his leprosy, He tries to leverage his chances by bringing a letter from the king, the Syrian king, and to buy that healing with a ridiculous amount of riches. But Elisha refused the treasure and just sent a servant to give Naaman the healing instructions, which really got Naaman lathered up his self-importance demanded more respect and definitely a cleaner body of water to wash in. But in the end, Naaman listened to his servant and went ahead with the instructions and was healed of his leprosy. And that's complicated enough as it is, but the plot thickens even more because he goes back to say thank you to Elisha and declares that Elisha's God is the only God and that he will never give a burnt offering to Rimmon again. And he has also already calculated that he will have to go into the temple of Rimmon with his master who is the king of Syria and he asks that God forgives him for having to bow down to Rimmon. So Naaman had an epiphany and sort of kind of converted but not like we would like him to convert. So like, where's the total renunciation of his former faith and the declaration that he's going to tell everyone back home and that he'll never go back to
4: the old temple? And yet, that did not mess up his healing.
6: So we have four passages that overlap each other in demonstrating just how god functions first kings is the story of elijah the prophet who obeys god and goes into enemy enemy territory and engages with the widow who has nothing and elijah asks for everything the result is miraculous with a multiplication miracle and the raising of a dead boy which is not actually in the story but i thought i'd toss it in there because it comes up right after then we have a psalm that describes who our God is and how they roll. Here's a summary of that description and notice the similarity to Luke 4 which is quoting Isaiah 61. God is the maker of heaven and earth, faithful one. He upholds the cause of the oppressed, feeds the hungry, sets prisoners free, gives sight to the blind, lifts up those that are bowed down, watches over the foreigner, sustains the fatherless and widows. First Kings tells us a story of how far God will go to reveal himself to even an enemy and just how caring and compassionate God's love is. The Psalm lays out for us a very, specifically, a very specific set of values and character of God. The gospel passage in Luke shows us that Jesus understood that the good news was for the poor. It was liberation for captives and those that were oppressed and healing for the blind. And that he understood that the extent to which God loves people is hard for us to understand. We are bent in a way that leaves us wanting to be in and are totally okay with leaving others out. Here's the rub. And this is where James gets a minute. While God loves and cares for all of us, we are meant to extend the love and care we have received to those who still need it. Oh, how we trip over his zealous need for us to do something. But what about grace? Is grace not enough? Our efforts are minuscule and lacking in comparison to the love of God. So what is the use? And then James puts this in the Bible. Religion that is pure. Or you could say gospel that is pure and undefiled before God. The gospel of Jesus, the provider, is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself spotless from the world. If we're just catching the salvation train to avoid a stop in hell, then we have missed the whole point of what God demonstrated throughout Scripture. We aren't meant to hoard everything for ourselves, expecting all the attention and then not sharing. We are meant to take care of, uh, to take our cure, cues from God, to notice the overlooked, to feed the hungry, to even the scales of injustice and to invite and move over for those who have no place
4: Here's a picture of
6: what it might look like if you have no avenue that demonstrates your faith. It might look like a plant that is overwatered, where the roots are suffocated and there is no way for them to breathe. Our faith needs to breathe. That means breathe in and breathe out. That means love and be cared for and extend love and care to others. One of our sons as a teenager became very cynical. We thought we might just chalk it up to him being a teenager, but we pursued it a bit further. And what we discovered was that he had no outlet for his compassion. And without a way to demonstrate his compassion, it had just turned into a toxic cynicism. So we encouraged him to find an outlet for his compassion and he chose to help feed the homeless each week with five and two and his demeanor changed dramatically. This is why it's important for us to have a demonstration, event, a way of living out our faith that wraps up what we believe with how we live. These passages do knit together very tightly. There's no need to do Bible gymnastics to find some thread to follow to, or make things up that will make this all come together. In the lectionary that we're all following this year, We are in a
4: season of epiphany or a season of ahas. So here's today's aha. The story of God telling Elijah to go to Sidon
6: and settle there. To meet a widow who would provide for him. Is God giving Elijah the gospel and sending him out to share it? The psalmist is singing about the ways that God participates in human lives. So this psalm is the gospel son. Then Jesus, reading Isaiah 61 in the synagogue, and I'm going to read it now again and fully. The spirit of the most high is upon me because God has anointed me to proclaim good news to those who are poor. God has sent me to preach liberation to those who are captives or bind up the brokenhearted in other translations and recovery of sight to those who are blind to liberate those who are are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Most High's favor. This is Jesus declaring that he knows what the gospel is and what he was here for. then we come to James, that annoying pebble in our shoes, where the real aha comes to us up close and personal. Doing, or as some of us remember it being called the works of the faith, is not an also or therefore to the gospel. We see here in this walk through scripture that the gospel has always been an active force. God calls us to it, we mimic God in our participation, we look for those who are marginalized, and we actively bring hope, relief, care, and love to them. Our participation in the gospel is not secondary or an application of the gospel, it is essential intrinsic to the gospel. And at the very core of the gospel is God calling us to join him. We're left with some questions to consider. How do I share the
4: gospel? Do I have a set way of expressing the gospel? Do I feel cynical? Does this bother me? I'll leave you with those questions. I know that they've been weighing on me.
6: This has been equal parts exciting uh, to prepare and also heavy as I sense the implications that this has for me personally. Don't be afraid of this taking you back to something old that you were controlled by. This is not that. This is simply. Breathing in and breathing out what God has given us. We breathe in love and care for Him, and we breathe it out as God has given it to us. I want
4: these actions to feel as natural as that. So let's pray. (sighs) Jesus, would you highlight to each of us all the ways? You have come
6: near to us and cared and loved us. Help
4: us to take our cues from you and to both receive this gospel and share it. Amen.